0: seems like every business today gives lip service to diversity in hiring, but it takes more than talk to make it happen. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, editor-in-chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain podcast. In the aftermath of the police killings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and any number of other African Americans over the years, there's been lots of talk about the need to increase opportunity and diversity in white-dominated businesses. Companies across the nation have issued statements condemning racism, but that's just the first step in addressing the problem, and many seem to have balked to taking a second. Today, I'm speaking with Shireen Annis, CEO and co-founder of Representation Counts, a platform for promoting diversity and inclusion in the workplace. She'll explain why so many of the actions taken by companies to date amount to little more than entertainment value, and how this endemic, silent problem must be approached in order for real progress to be made. Here's my conversation with Shireen Annis. Well, Shereen Anis, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks, Bob, for having me.
0: Shereen, after the killing of George Floyd, many companies issued a bunch of statements condemning racism in the workplace. What has come out of that?
1: Right now, if we look at the environment, there has been a lot of, you could say, entertainment value when it comes to sharing with the public, corporations, institutions, organizations, and the likes, their intentions to take what happened with George Floyd as well as various other Black individuals like Breonna Taylor and more, to say that we're going to do something about this systemically to address what's going on. But when you look at the action behind what is happening in terms of their intention, there really isn't much that's been done so far. And if anything, we're seeing that a lot of it, the movement has various times where it spikes and then comes back down. So it's quite inconsistent. And I also think that The organizations and companies that are looking to bring on new individuals, consultants, or even help on board to help them address these issues when it comes to race, they're not exactly going about it the correct way in terms of how people as general consumers and the masses want this problem to be addressed.
0: Perhaps one of the key words in what you just said is systemically, the idea that we need to dig so much deeper into corporate culture in order to enact true change and true diversity in the workplace. So Mm -hmm. that being the case, how do we even make a start in changing corporate culture in America? So the first
1: And the biggest thing I think is what corporate America immediately does in situations like this, I think is based out of survival instinct. They immediately go into their internal networks and try to find somebody who academically is qualified or seemingly in theory is qualified to address these issues. But what they forget and don't often realize is this entire issue has been seeded out of systemic racism. And so, like, education and how people have become qualified, that entire system is essentially against people of color to begin with. And so you're not going to find the authentic drivers of change immediately in your circles who are often carrying a lot of privilege with them and have gotten to their positions in ways that have a system set up to help them. And so what I always like to say is that you really need to have a deep understanding of what exactly systemic racism is and then bring on people who represent those backgrounds to address these issues. Because in this situation, the best game plan is to have the people who represent those demographs, those people, those voices, those issues and experiences. Because we're not academic or theory projects at the end of the day, These are real BIPOC LGBTQQ lives that are being severely impacted by a system for centuries that has been set up against them. And no one understands it better than the people who represent those backgrounds
0: to begin with. But in order to dig that deep, where do we start? Should we start at the executive level? Should we start promoting diversity in the high levels of corporate America Mm -hmm. and have those individuals work down to change the system? Trying to Mm -hmm. understand how how we can make a, a true start in this.
1: So I do think that this is a two-pronged issue that has to be addressed in two separate ways. So there is the top down in which executives obviously carry a lot of influence, right, and power in terms of how decisions are going to be made and how they'll trickle down to every form of employee in their supply chain and so for that to happen we do need executives to have the proper understanding the proper knowledge and the proper education when it comes to realizing what exactly people need but on the second side we have the bottom-up approach right where there's a lot of voices out there people I mean activism is at its all-time high if you really think about it and that's got a lot to do with the current political landscape in the United States of America but also just people having access to knowledge and education and our history, and also being smart enough to understand where our future is going. And so I think that the best way is always to have a third party in the situation come on board, which is exactly the type of work I do, right, with Representation Counts, in which we bridge the gap between the bottom-up approach and the top-down approach. So that way, you're having two separate sides of the world come in and have a unified voice in addressing these very life-impacting issues.
0: You have at times, as an excuse, companies saying, we would love to promote diversity in our workplace. We would love to bring a more diverse workforce into our company. But the candidates, the qualified candidates, just aren't there. What do you say to them?
1: So I think they're wrong. I think, again, this is under the veil and also under the privilege of where they are. They're speaking from their points of perspective, and their perspective is often a white man or even the feminist movement, a white woman who's making those arguments. And what they fail to recognize is, again, it goes back to how systemic racism works. Education was implemented as a way to divide classes. You were either in or you were out, and the out people were always people of color. So the way these executives or recruiters go about qualifying people people and the metrics that they use is often rooted in one perspective. And what they fail to recognize is that there is this system against the people who are actually qualified to make valuable feedback or to make valuable judgments or decisions in this space are going to be people who aren't going to follow the traditional qualifying metrics. And so for that reason, I think that they need to recognize at a recruitment or executive leadership level, that they really need to open their minds and realize that traditional qualifying metrics isn't going to fill the position. It's going to be a broader understanding of human life at large and realizing Mm -hmm. that people provide skill in a broader way. And it doesn't necessarily mean, especially in the United States of America, that it's going to be through traditional schooling, especially in the day and age of digital technological revolution, right? So that's where I think that People need to broaden their understanding and their acceptance when it comes to qualifying metrics and maybe even follow what technical companies like Facebook, Google and Salesforce and all these other large companies have done in broadening their understanding of what it even looks like to have a qualified person on Mm -hmm. the job.
0: When I hear the phrase traditional qualifying metrics immediately, I think I think Mm -hmm. upon. The university system, our educational system, our higher education system. And Mm -hmm. that being the case, sometimes a very, very small subset of schools within that that are considered to be the schools for business, right? So you're saying what? You're saying then that it shouldn't be so much a university degree that matters or we should accept a wider universe of possible universities or we should look beyond the university system Mm -hmm. completely? What are you thinking there?
1: So I think, and I come from the space of education, and actually I've invented a new system that actually reinvents how education is even viewed and also facilitated. So I think we should be looking way beyond the traditional universities, colleges, schooling, target or not target systems, because Mm -hmm. again, this feeds into the systemic problem of racism and other issues, right? And so if you look at, for example, the Harvards of the world or the Stanfords of the world, you're often going to get an 80% class that comes from a position of insane privilege and old legacy money. And then the other 20% is usually immigrant students, or it's from the underserved population or financial need. And Mm -hmm. so if you look at that model already, and then you try to address these very relevant problems that we're seeing take an uprise in society today, you're not going to solve it with the same problems in the past. Universities have maintained this class divide, which has also rooted from racism. It's a double problem, and it's also connected to each other. And so if you're going to be feeding into a university from especially target schools to address these issues, and even if you take the few students who made it in like the Malala Yousafzai of the world or whatever have you, they're so rare And so hard to find because there just isn't enough of them. They're scarce resource themselves. You're not going to address this problem the right way still. You need to broaden your understanding and also your acceptance of people from a broader walk of life who have come from experience and can articulate themselves appropriately to address these issues that we're seeing today.
0: Now, I'm sure you know, every university voices a Mm -hmm. super strong commitment to diversity. And I would guess that Mm -hmm. if you would go on any website of any of those universities and you see a picture on that website of students from that school, there would be all colors in front of you, right? First first (laughs) thing you see. But it sounds like you're saying that you're not particularly favoring changing the system from within. In other words, promoting more diversity within those universities Sounds like you're saying let's mm-hmm. sidestep those altogether together and, and seek another path that doesn't include them at all. Or not to say that minimizes mm-hmm. or reduces their importance. Is that accurate to say? I would
1: say the last part that you said in terms of reducing their importance is what I stand for and what my organization stands for and is actually promoting because, again, I think that the entire educational system is built on exclusivity. You build an exclusive culture, you're exclusively a part of that culture, and your values exclusively align with that culture along with curriculum, right? Universities actually bet on that. They invest in that and they profit off of that. And that's why you see different utopias or microcosms of not just culture, but also what is acceptable in terms of being as a person or character. And I think that that can be quite burdensome and that humans just aren't built to be that way. I think humans can be a lot more free flowing than that and have a broader identity than just to Mm -hmm. be secluded into a school culture. And so I do stand up for there being more alternatives available, and that feeds directly into bringing on people within corporations and organizations, et cetera, who are representative of different backgrounds and demographies because they can solve different problems in different ways. And Mm -hmm. school forces you to follow a mold, whatever it is, but universally there is this one mold that you're facilitating talent between or skill really between university and employer but even that whole system is completely broken and needs to be disrupted entirely and so that's where a lot of these problems come from too.
0: Can you help me to understand what might be some specific metrics that would replace the old ones? How can we Mm -hmm. judge candidates without falling back on this legacy system? What kinds of metric can we be looking at to understand if someone is a really good candidate for a job?
1: So right now, I think the humanizing factor or metric is extremely left out. I think companies and schools like to think that that's what they are doing by making candidates available for hire or for employers to be looking for these people is that the metrics that they currently use are number based often. We see that with percentage points or grade Points when you're being evaluated in school. I think even professor references can be biased in many ways because the professor needs to like you in the first place and their likeliness of you is subjective and can often be wrong or it could be heavily skewed by whatever experiences they've had in their life and that's what they're attracting. And so I think that there really needs to be a lot of AI machine learning, adaptive learning, maybe even through sensor fusion and very high level technologies in which it can capture more about a human at large in terms of characteristics that often is not fluid and pick up on not just their inconsistencies, but who they project to become and their potential. That's what's going to address this. And I do think that that wave of new technology is up and coming right now. Specifically, I think I see that in Amazon Go, if we could somehow bring that into the education space, which is something I'm even working on, I think that's what's really going to give a more versatile, holistic and true representation of a candidate in which employers can look at and be connected to the higher. But above that, what we can do today is have third party representation in the recruitment and HR process, and also have coaching for executives and encourage the bottom up to raise their voices and evaluate not just through data metrics, through human level subjectivity, that this is where we need to bridge the gap, and this is why this candidate can do a good job just by understanding the human in them.
0: Is the pool of candidates there for the picking if we're willing to see them? Or is mm-hmm. there some degree to which we need to do a better job of reaching down into diverse communities to encourage these people to follow a career of business to, through mentoring, through encouragement, yeah. through support? Don't we have to do that also? So
1: here's <laughs> Actually, people from a diverse background, and I'm gonna specifically target target poverty here. Those who live in very financially suppressed circumstances, they're very resourceful. They're very good at capital allocation. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of business skills in diverse backgrounds really exist. It's just that they don't have access to the same opportunities or even the same mentorship that they can leverage and optimize their potential and their skill. These people are often extremely talented. They're following a lot of online resources to skill themselves up but they're just caught up in the cycle of poverty or against racism systemic racism they're caught up in that cycle too so i think that companies need to figure out a better way to have institutional resources institutional education skilled out to be able to reach more people in a more effective way maybe not through just online, but also through actually going to underrepresented communities or diverse communities in person and having that commitment to actually level people up a little more so that they can participate in this job market.
0: But many businesses have such a poor record of even investing in poor communities. They're not there. They're not seen. So it must feel like a million miles away from people who are trapped in poverty.
1: No, and it's true, but I think that also has to do with who they're consulting with. I think there's a lot of inefficiencies of how they even deploy strategies when it comes down to that, right? Like, mm-hmm. they have all these intentions, but again, they're hiring consultants, they're hiring third parties within their own circles, and so they're trying to solve problems with problems. And so that's where I think, like, you know what, what if you could just go into the Bronx or to the Queens and just pick a random person from there, right? Invest in that random person. I can almost guarantee you that that random 18 year old kid is probably going to direct and help your executive level strategy team come up with a better solution on how to impact those communities than any executive life coach who went to Wharton or any executive third party who went to Stanford or Harvard and claims that they know these demographies better than anyone else because mm-hmm. that person that 18 year old kid is going to have so much better experience they're going to be relatable they're going to have the language they're going to have the mindset on how to impact those people's lives and everyday struggles it's why AOC Alexandria ocasio cortez does such a great job and is the third most sought-after politician because she represents the community she came from and that's where I think a lot of these companies are going wrong is that they're hiring internally to their networks without even oftentimes realizing it because they have this bias anchored in them so deeply and conditioned so that's what they attract And that's what I mean by people at an executive level, if you're taking a top-down approach, need to really open themselves up to a variety of experiences, put their egos aside and be like, okay, we've obviously for years and years and years have been trying to implement strategy to impact these lives. If that intention is authentic, why are we here today where George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, black lives are being impacted in very negative ways and we still don't have a solution. We've just realized that this has been a silent problem for so long. And not only now we know that we have to address it. It's because those old, methods and techniques were not working their judgment calls Mm -hmm. were not working and this is how i think they're going to be able to improve themselves by picking people from representative backgrounds and asking them to support a solution
0: and what can we do about getting the message out to boards of directors and shareholders? That's the other end of the of the chain. Yeah. Uh, about the importance of supporting and investing in companies that are truly making an effort in this direction.
1: So I think when they have their table talks, I think that representative backgrounds, they need to be able to reserve a couple seats for people that they can even pick at random is often a good strategy from representative backgrounds and invite them to the table for conversation. And it could be somebody who's not so well-branded. They really need to put their marketing strategies briefly aside to kind of get that authentic representation and voice on the table. And I think that is probably going to be their best investment to help kind of impact any type of ignorance or subconscious biases that might exist, and from there they could really leverage that experience to help solve a lot more problems that, that they as corporations are facing.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: really that simple at the end of the day, as naive as it sounds. It, it does work.
0: Shireen Anis of Representation Counts, thank you so much for putting this issue front and center beyond, as you call it, the entertainment value of of (laughs) virtue signaling on the part of corporations these days and the search for true diversity Mm -hmm. in the business world and the workforce today. Thank you for being with me today. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Bob. Thanks so much.
0: That was my conversation with Shireen Anis of Representation Counts, talking about how companies can promote diversity in the workplace. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at scbrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time.